0: Welcome to the Two Tribes Podcast, where each week we bring you the real stories of Australian founders and investors, the Two Tribes of Entrepreneurship. If you like what you hear, give us a rating on iTunes or follow us at two tribes News on Twitter. This series of Two Tribes is supported by Tankstream Labs. Tankstream Labs is more than just a workspace for Australian founders, it's a place to work on your passion. TSL, like Two Tribes, brings real founders and investors together. Onto to today's podcast. So I have Tashi Dorji of Two Space with me. Tashi, welcome. Thanks. This is going to be awesome. Just in your own words, give us an overview of what Two Space is.
1: Sure. In its simplest form, Two Space just turns restaurants that are closed during the day into a network of co-working spaces. Um, so it's repurposing space. And the main reason why we did it is aside from, you know, taking underutilized spaces and really making great, you know, creative use of it, I thought, how cool would it be if you got, you know, because of this flexible, affordable arrangement, all the great minds that normally work out of cafes or at home or can't commit to an office space or a co-working space yet and you get them all together in one room or at least into one community and start getting them to collaborate and and network. And and that's really what we're about, yeah.
0: So there's two big elements there. So firstly, co-working space and Mm. secondly, the network. Mm. Let's talk about the co-working space. So how do you bring co-working space to this group of people?
1: Yeah, so when we first thought of the idea, Rob, my co-founder and I, we were actually having a dinner at an empty restaurant <laughs> and um, I was actually working from that space as well and I was like, this place is empty. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those things where initially when we ideated it, we knew that we couldn't just build a platform and there's a few out there already that just directs foot traffic to underutilized spaces, mm-hmm. primarily commercial office spaces so it could it couldn't really be at least at the beginning a brand where all we do is we sign on a hundred restaurants within the first like month or two And during lunch trade, when they're not busy, only taking two or three tables, because then that's not really co-working, that's just hot desking, right? Um, So what we realize is that if we entirely take over a space, so say if you have a great restaurant that can fit 100 people for dinner, but it only opens at 6, if we take it from 9 to 5, but we also put a community manager in there during those hours, Mm -hmm. that's when co-working really kicks in, because... That community manager part of their role is to help connect everyone you know make sure everything's okay but also make an effort to host events and meetups and that's you know really why we're talking today because mm-hmm. we identified the huge need for community with this idea mm-hmm. and, and that kind of brought us to this partnership with Brad and Tankstream Labs mm-hmm. because rather than feel like oh we're another co-working space that is competing with these other co-working spaces we're not, in fact, um, everyone. After edu- you know a bit of education, realizes that we're dealing with very early stage startups. So we're dealing with the guys that and the girls who had the idea and worked out in the garage for about a year before they were able to commit to anything, mm-hmm. or founders who bring their teams to work from their lounge room for like six months before they can muster enough revenue to then apply to the Tankstream. Yeah. Um, so we're almost like, you know, if you think of it as a conveyor belt, we're very early on in mm-hmm. the process, and then when they're ready with that team, they graduate yeah. to spaces like Brad's. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a tank stream halfway house. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly.
0: And um, just just so the listeners can visualize it, can you mm. give us an example of, say, one of the spaces that you have in your sure. network?
1: So two, um, I'll give two. So one is um, the King's Cross Hotel rooftop. So that one's a good example because... Nice
0: view over the Coca-Cola side.
1: Exactly. Yep. And it's in a place that a lot of people would normally not have gone to because it's in the King's Cross area, which you know has had a reputation, but it's really changed over the last few years. Um, and that one's an interesting example because the rooftop is closed all week. It only opens Friday night, Saturday night, surprisingly. Perfect, yep. <coughs> so it's perfect for us because we get it to ourselves, mm-hmm. the whole rooftop all week now. Oh, um, nice. And we can open it quite late because it's not turning back into a bar in the evening. But then the positive thing about that as well, despite getting it private, is that there's five floors in that building and ground floor and level one are open for trade during the day. So then there's a lot of people who go down and get drinks and food. So the venue also benefits, not just um, from having people there and the rev share model that we incorporate into two space in the venue, but all this foot traffic that comes in like... um, Even today we're hosting TechCrunch here in town Mm -hmm. from Silicon Valley to um, announce one of their new campaigns and we're doing it at the rooftop. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the guys at King's Cross Hotel Rooftop and Solotel, they're like this is amazing because now we're getting our venue in front of people who would never have come here Mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a second venue is one that we have in Manly called Havana Beach. Mm Um, and that's right on the water. Right. It's like it's as good as it gets. You could literally throw your laptop from the window into the ocean. That's mm-hmm. how close it is. <laughs> um, so any frustrated is doing that. Yeah, and this is I'm where, over this. I'm going in. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's amazing, and yeah. it's one of those things where because of this unique model, we're able to turn it into an office space. We get it ourselves, and because there's a community manager there who looks after people's stuff because mm-hmm. they're always there with some backup community managers as well. So we normally have two or three there. Mm-hmm. People just leave their stuff, they go for a swim, dry off, and then come back. So it's yeah. the best way to recharge. Um, and that's also a great example of how, when we first started, we thought, hey, we're gonna, we need to set up these spaces in the city. But after, you know, eight months of data, we've realized, no, we need to take advantage of this flexible model. Mm-hmm and start opening these co-working two-space locations in areas that don't have any offices Mm -hmm. or are further out from the city because there's people out there who have great ideas that don't want to commute into the city that might live in Manly or Bondi or Coogee or Parramatta you know all these sorts of places.
0: Might just touch on the other side of the business so the network side of the business so Mm -hmm. how how does that work?
1: Networkers and you mean lots of different yeah, locations?
0: Yeah. yeah, so or a community, you talk about a community manager, what does that person Yeah,
1: so it's really interesting. Like we had to think about this one for a while. Mm-hmm. And and to be honest, when we first started the idea, we didn't think of it as a big picture thing. Rob and I just did it as a, a pet side project because he was working on one of his startups called Q2 Connect in the past, yeah. which is kind of like a conference app which connects everyone before a conference. Yep. Um, and I was working on the previous startups that I did in Singapore. Mm-hmm. And that was like rainforest protection and and tech and kind of stuff. This one was, you know, we. Really, to just did one location, and that was Cassonian Darlinghurst. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, like, we hit up 100, 200 locations, yeah, and they yeah. all said no because it was the first of its kind, this mm-hmm. kind of concept. So, everyone was worried about the security aspect, the insurance. Mm-hmm. You know, do we trust these people taking over our space? Because a lot of the owners aren't there during mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. The beauty of the model is that they just give it to us, and then they don't have to worry about anything. And then when it turns back into their restaurant, then they take over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in terms of the um, community manager, part of their role is first of all to look after the space, mm-hmm. right? Um, but also, uh, the interesting thing about them is that it's not someone, it turns out that all our community managers are essentially freelancers or early stages who work from the space every day anyway. Mm-hmm. So they want to, they are more than happy to take the responsibility of just helping connect people because it helps them network. Mm-hmm. But then also, you know, we compensate them with a the free membership and all that yeah. kind of stuff, so they really benefit from it. But then in terms of the word, the reason why we use the word network Mm -hmm. is because members that sign up can get access to every single location. So think of like a chain gym kind of model. Mm -hmm. Um, Although we're month to month, we don't lock you into anything. So if someone signs up in Havana Beach, Manly, and lives in Manly, but they find that they do a few meetings in the city, Mm -hmm. they can seamlessly log into Kings Cross Hotel or and Darlinghurst. Or similarly, if they're in Bondi or Coogee, then they can log into those. But then we also just um, pretty recently opened two locations in Melbourne. So now people who travel to Melbourne have access to those spaces. Yes, so. And it's not just networking these physical locations for people to really check into. It's almost like hacking into these little hubs of communities in these different suburbs. Yeah. So suddenly when people go to Melbourne for work, seamlessly by working from a two-space location there, they'll be surrounded by Melbourne startups or mm-hmm. early-stage startups that they can work with. Yeah. And then, similar to how we have this amazing partnership with Tankroom in Sydney, we have a partnership with like York Butter Factory in Melbourne, yeah, so they can great. also tap into those meetups and setups. Yeah. You know, we're about to expand into Hong Kong in the next month, yeah. and we have a partnership with an amazing space over there as well. So, yeah. it's almost like we've identified that there's no point in trying to build a community from scratch you know, it's all about collaboration, so who can we seamlessly work with? Um, And that's everything from two space members getting to go to Tankstream events and use the Tankstream hot desk every now and then, to everyone in Tangstream Labs, and Brad and I are still educating everyone on this. Is that they get free actual free access to our Two Space locations as long as we can, you know, moderate it on some level?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. Um, let's talk a little bit about the idea and where it came from. So, mm. what were you doing before you started Two Space, and then when did you get the idea for it?
1: Yeah, so the first startup I was involved in um, was with my cousin and another good friend, Derek. His name is Derek Trow, and mm-hmm. my cousin's Doji's son. And we did um, a rainforest protection startup. So, essentially, what that was is that um, you're able to calculate how many emissions you prevent from being released into the atmosphere if you protect a certain amount of rainforest. Mm-hmm. Because the basic science behind it is that vegetation and um, trees, they recycle CO2 in the atmosphere, and then they produce oxygen, right? Mm -hmm. And if you cut a tree down, it releases a certain amount of tonnages into the air. Um, And then what we would do is we would convert those into carbon credits, Mm -hmm. and then sell those to companies trying to reduce their emissions, Mm -hmm. um, mainly because they couldn't afford the opportunity cost of changing the supply chain. So sometimes you see when you buy an airline ticket, do you want to offset your emissions, that kind of stuff. Um, So that one went really well, you know, we're still protecting about a million hectares Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we got to protect rainforest in Africa, you know, in Gabon, in Aceh, um, all sorts of places. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also what we did was um, we did a lot of tech stuff in Singapore. So when Google Glass first came up, um, we had a startup that essentially spearheaded Google Glass on a B2B scale in Asia. Mm -hmm. So I was hitting up um, all the tourist kind of companies like Marina Bay Sands, we were doing a deal with. you know, Sky Park, you know, Singapore Zoo, even Disney Hong Kong, all that kind of thing. And the idea was, you know, we were riding off the hype of Google Glass, Mm -hmm. so obviously it didn't work out from a consumer perspective, but we were like, okay, if this battery gives us 10 minutes of time with the glass, maybe what we do is, if you go to an amusement park or a zoo and you get 10 bucks for a ticket, we'll charge you 15, but you get 10 minutes with the glass and we'll build an app with Bluetooth technology and image recognition to push you Mm -hmm. information. Because one of the hugest um, one of the biggest issues with zoos is that the polar bear exhibit costs like a couple of million bucks to maintain a year, yeah. but then half the time, like eighty percent of the time, polar bears not even present. It's like hibernating in some corner, so you can't yeah, even see it. So they're like, "What are we gonna do?" So then that's kind yeah. of what we tried to help with. Uh-huh. Um, and then to Google be honest, was
0: is in, making a comeback as well.
1: Yeah, like uh, don't even get me started. <laughs> like by the time we got involved, it was already like the f- like four hundredth or fifth iteration mm-hmm. of it or something. Yep. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was a tough one, but I'm still really interested in that space. Yeah, yeah. Like one of our partners at Two Spaces Academy XI that do augmented okay, reality, yeah. virtual reality yep. courses. Cool. Um, yeah. We did a bunch of stuff. Like those were the two better ones. Like one of the other ones was a <coughs> we tried to launch our own condom brand.
0: Mm, interesting. Okay.
1: Um, and we took the Tom's shoes model from Blake Mikoski, <laughs> yeah. where it was kind of like um, every time you buy a pack of the bar condoms, <laughs> we donate one to the, to a developing country in our our logistics partner was United Nations Development oh, Health Fund. Oh, oh. And we were able to set that up through our relationship with the rainforest protection thing. Yeah. Um, but we were targeting hotels specifically. Mm-hmm. because. But there's a great Australian brand out there now smashing it. And we spoke to them ages ago, years mm-hmm. and years ago, called Hero Condoms. Mm-hmm. And they're one to watch out for because I think they're doing really well. Yes. Same model. Yeah. Um, but then when I came back to Australia, I was honestly... <laughs> just to see family, because mm-hmm. grandparents are like 95, 93 now. Mm-hmm. And yep. I was like, I just want to be in Sydney. Yep. And I was really just taking a breather, working from cafes and stuff and catching up with Rob, because Rob and I, my co-founder, we did a bunch of work in Singapore and we were both there together, like mm-hmm. we're both from Sydney, yep. but um, because of traveling, so we had that relationship already and we'd keep catching up. And then the, I think it was almost like Sydney forced us to come up with this idea in a sense, because um, the city of Sydney had this tech action plan for this year mm-hmm. that they were promoting a lot because yeah. they wanted Sydney to turn into this new innovation hub and one of the key pillars to it was access to co-working spaces mm-hmm. and, and like-minded people. Like even when you apply for government grants now through Jobs in New South Wales and stuff, the first box you have to tick is are you affiliated with a co-working space? Mm-hmm. Which I'm proud to say that you know you're allowed to tick that box now if you're a member at Two Space. Mm-hmm. and I can confidently say the main reason for that isn't because we've got we've been smashing it as an individual it's because we've brought on people like Brad and stuff to tap into our community so that we can access these kind of mentors yeah yeah, so a combination of City of Sydney kind of demanding something like this and then at the same time Sydney was unique in the sense that there's always a lot of press around lockout laws and how that's really damaging foot traffic to certain areas and restaurants are shutting down Um, So, like over dinner one day with Rob and I, we just kind of were like, how cool would it be? And actually, the idea originated from one of our favorite restaurants in Singapore while we used to work Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And it was basically a copy TM, which is like a cafe during the day where all the aunties and uncles would come when everyone's at work. And then at 5 p.m., they would turn it back into a pizzeria. So they'd open the beer taps, open a different section of the Mm -hmm. um, kitchen and bring in new chefs. And then all the people after work would come and eat their really cool pizza and drink their beer. And to me, that was like the coolest restaurant in Singapore. Not because the food was the best, but just because if anyone would talk about food, I'd be like, hey, you should really check out this place. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, they're cafe by day, pizzeria by night, (laughs) sustainable. And the name of that cafe was actually Mm Two-Face, which is like the Batman villain, which inspired the Two-Space name. Yeah, yeah, so Rob and I, like, it was almost like, it was literally an accident. We didn't plan to get into co-working or restaurants. Mm -hmm. Rob, when we first started talking, was really passionate about eventually getting to the stage, which is why we piloted it with just one, to actually find funding to buy a restaurant and then furnish it in a way where we could mm-hmm. have a huge restaurant which we deliberately do co-working restaurant mm-hmm. so then that's why we practiced with Kasoni one but now it's kind of turned into this whole concept where we realize we can open hundreds, hundreds of these around the yeah. world with the right technology.
0: And What's, what's the uh, driver of this uh, movement around co-working spaces and, and where do you see that playing out? I honestly feel like
1: it's a combination of You know we live in an era now where there's so much access to information and support Mm. that you know if you've got an idea as long as you plan for it you know people want to give it a shot or work on a side hustle and one of the hardest things about that is doing it alone Mm. so just by surrounding yourself by someone else or other like-minded people is a huge plus like I would never have been able to do Two space on my own Mm-hmm. Like if I didn't have Rob, good luck. It would just be, I would just be one of those guys who just talk about it. Yeah. You know, hey, you know, I had this, I've got this idea, it's so cool. Yeah, I'll probably try and do it soon, but then check in six months later, I'll still be talking about it. And then there's mm-hmm. probably be someone else who would have done it in another country or city or, or in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because we hold each other accountable for stuff. You know, we have different skill sets which we check into each other, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And, um, you know, it's one of those instances where we really rely on other people in each other.
0: Just talk to us about how the technology works with, mm. um, with TwoSpace.
1: Sure. You know, The funny thing is is when we first started, I thought tech was a small part of it, to be really frank. Because I was like, this is a community part, this is about people. Um, as long as someone's got a pad and paper and keeping track of stuff at the early stage, it's fine. But now that we're growing, I've realized just how important it is. And there's three real key areas, um, there's a lot of areas that we're working on, but there's three real key areas that are important. First one is, because it's a double-sided marketplace, we need to manage both the members and also the venues. So we do automatic generator reports um, every at the end of every month, and that reports on everything to foot traffic, so how many people have actually come into the space while two spaces have been operating, to revenue share to the venue, to food and beverage sales, um, to one-off bookings, yeah. and the way we were able to track that mm-hmm. is that um, we've built essentially a platform that if you want access to the Wi-Fi, just think of a very sexy, simplified version of the splash pages that you get when you check into a hotel or an airport, um, mainly because we've realized that we need people to put in their details, and it's simply just chucking your mobile. Yeah. And and the main reason we do it by mobile is because then that's the most seamless way for us to be able to realize how many people are in each location. Mm-hmm. And then for last minute notifications, we can, and we do it very like, uh, not for marketing purposes or anything, but if there's like a, a pop-up event that like the TechCrunch one today, or if one of the, um, um, the things that we have to deal with, because at the end of the day, we are dealing with restaurant spaces, mm-hmm. is if it gets booked out for an event, we don't want the venue to forfeit like 10 grand yeah. for us, so we use that to send people to be like, <coughs> hey, there's an event here next Thursday, just FYI, so why don't you work at this venue, which is close by? <laughs> um, so we track all of that. Um, additionally, one thing that's you know, really important is, what we're working on now is almost like, it's, it's really cool, it's like predictive, kind of technology in the sense that we look at the last, you know, six, eight months of data for a venue, we see where um, core members are working from, and then that way we can predict how many people will be working from each space Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I feel that's really important because we never want it to be a situation where you subscribe or you work from Manly, right? And maybe Manly has 30 seats available at that co-working space. And there's 20 regulars, right? And then, But then one day <coughs> a team from King's Cross decide to have uh, work from the beach day on a Thursday and there's collectively 12 of them. And then that would mean maybe on a Thursday they kick out the people who normally work there yeah. quite religiously. Yeah. Um, so by using that kind of technology mm-hmm. we're able to say, okay, now we know Monday to Thursday <coughs> at this Havana Beach location we've got you know, 20 people, 20 regulars working. Yeah. So when we advertise on our website, because currently what we do is we advertise how many seats are available at each venue, mm-hmm. so that you can go, okay, Kings Cross, there's still seats available. And we do that by every time someone checks in, they kind of take a seat, and then we allocate like, you know, 20, 50, 100 mm-hmm. seats, whatever, to each location.
0: Yeah.
1: Then that way, when we can advertise, say, um, if it's Thursday morning, rather than saying 30 seats available in Manly from the get-go, we automatically advertise on the platform there's only five seats left because we know 25 regulars are gonna be there on a Thursday. Um, And that's super important as well, not just from the experience from the members, but then we can start going to the venues and say, hey, Wednesdays and Thursdays are killers here on Manly. You should put a barista on. Whereas Mondays and Tuesdays, we only get five, 10 people here. (laughs) And that's always kind of on our mind because what we've realized is because of the affordability and the price point of Mm -hmm. Two Space. We get a lot of people signing on who only use it maybe once or twice a week. Mm -hmm. They don't feel the need to have to be there every day um, because we do get some people who have really great home offices or we even have some members from Tankstream who have Mm -hmm. signed up Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, some of them live in Manly or Bondi. So commuting to Wynyard is great because they have their HQ here and everything, but that one day a week they'd love to just work from a cool, chill space next to their house.
0: I think the yeah. platform is a really interesting one because ultimately it could be about managing space uh, yeah. and helping to bring in, say, third-party services like a barista. Yeah, yeah. But to do that, in managing managing the space around demand yeah. and, and supply of the services that you have in the space. Like,
1: yeah, it's really interesting. It's it's also. crazy. Like, and it's it's funny how if you asked us when we first came out with the idea. What do you need to build to make this work? We wouldn't have thought of any of this stuff. We'd just be like sign-in page, you know, as long as they can pay us, let's just hook it up to Stripe, all good. Um, because one other thing that's um, really cool that we're working on, and it's a long-term vision, yeah. is that we get all our members to just put one or two words, uh, or like two sections. It can either be company yeah. or their skill set. So then we'll eventually have it displayed on like a, a heat map or a map of all the locations, which we already have on the website for which members can see. It's really cool. It's kind of got the two space logos peppered across Sydney and Melbourne, where they can go, (laughs) Um, is displaying the skill sets and where they're working from. Mm -hmm. So not necessarily names, but like, you know, two people from, you know, Tankstream are working from King's Cross with three freelance um, editors, a journalist and a graphic artist. But then there's like, you know, devs and sales guys, or these new startups working from Manly, or, you know, there's a bunch of creatives working out from Cosoni. Yeah. So then people who have the flexibility who want to kind of work around like-minded people can go. I'm going to work there because there's other people in my industry like that, yeah. that stuff. Yeah, which yeah. cool. Be pretty cool.
0: Um, and so, how are you funded? And was it easy to raise?
1: So we're completely bootstrapped. Okay. Um, we're lucky in the sense that our model lets us bootstrap. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rob and I have you know a bit of a little bit of a war chest set aside from our previous startups but at the same time because at the end of the day we're not leasing the spaces um, it's entirely rev share with the venues because they see the benefit not just from the revenue share so they see about thirty to forty percent it depends actually they, they could see quite a lot depending on how much responsibility they take on so it's yeah. different from venue to venue but they not only get the rev share through the monthly subscription revenue and the one-off bookings but then they also get you know the food and beverage sales like there was one month we reported for a venue where they made like you know a couple of grand or something but then the food and bev sales were just through the roof. Mm. Like there's people were buying beers and drinks. And then there was even like a birthday booked from one of my members for the space. Yeah. And they got like a few perks cause they were a two space member. But at the end of the day, man, even if you chuck on a little bit of a free bar tab, people are gonna stick around and go bonkers. Like today is gonna be great. Like I'll tell you right now, the tech crunch thing at King's Cross Hotel rooftop yeah. is perfect. Cause it's three to 5 p.m. Yeah, The rooftop bar opens to the public at 5 p.m. Yeah. That rooftop bar, like, love the guys to death, but from five to six, seven, like, it gets quiet, yeah? yeah? yeah. Some days, but now, suddenly, they're going to have a hundred people on the rooftop bar as soon as it opens for business, and I'm going to be like, okay, guys, it's five, free drinks are off, but you're welcome to stay, because Young Henry is the Australian brewery. Those guys are amazing. Oscar's amazing. Um, They've sponsored the event, so there'll be Young Henry's going around, but then at five o'clock, there's going to be a hundred people who are kind of already drunk, like networking like crazy not wanting to leave because they want to keep networking and meet the TechCrunch guys and these other founders and then it's like injecting so imagine like restaurants that open at 5 you're never going to get like people booking at 5 on the dot or at full at Mm 5 you know there's a lot of um, campaigns even coming around now I think that's one being launched by Demi or something in the next couple of weeks where restaurants, a few restaurants have signed on where from five to six, if you come in, you get 50% off your meal because yeah. it's dead. So they just yeah. want to do it. Yeah. And like all the restaurants that sign up to like Groupon or that kind of thing, you know, they don't make money or lose money through those deals, but it's just about creating a buzz sometimes. Yeah. You know, you yeah. don't want a dead restaurant. You want it to look busy. You want people to walk past. You want them to come in. Yeah. So it's like a mixture of that
0: kind of stuff. Yeah, cool. Yeah. cool. And sort of similar vein, so obviously bootstrapped, but um, can you just describe what were, say, the hardest things in just getting this business started, getting it off the ground?
1: I think um, the brand and the trust, because at the end of the day, when you think of the concepts, I pitched so many venues. And the main thing why they wouldn't let us do it is because at the end of the day, they're leaving us alone with a bunch of inventory, their space, um, and we were nobodies because we didn't have a case study or anything. We got a lot of people saying, oh, we make enough money in the evening, we don't want to do it. We'd rather have our staff, um, you know, our chefs have free range because they play music super loud and chill out and not have to worry about this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or they're like, you know, I don't want a bunch of strangers in my place if they're not buying food. Or we had some feedback like, it's a great idea, but I just don't want to be the first one to try it. Can you come back to me when you try it out? Yeah. Um, and that's why we we're really lucky to partner with Cosoni, Jules and Nath, young guys, you know, have been in the... Have had that restaurant for like you know a while, and they just wanted to try something different, and um, you know they let us take the shot, and we hustled to get some a lot of press around that first location, and because of that, we also partnered with Optus Yes Lab to do the Wi-Fi Mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. So we started, like I started cheekily just bringing brands on board to Mm -hmm. seem like we were legit, even though like we just started this concept, and then surprisingly after the first one. we were able to get King's Cross Hotel first. Mm -hmm. And the funny story behind that is because the old licensee there, Lloyd, who has now started his own startup called Method of Denim, which is like bespoke denim tech, so it's like you can make your own jeans and stuff online. Um, He was the licensee there, and I used to be a regular there for about like a year. And then one day I I got an email um, from Solotel, one of the group marketing girls, um, and she set the meeting up, and then I went up and then Lloyd, he was like, oh, it's you? Okay, you're yeah, fine, because I can see me every day anyway. Like, you can trust me. He's like, yeah, he's fine, yeah, okay, let's give it a shot. Um, and then once we had those two locations, then everyone started hitting us up. Like, yeah, now now the problem isn't venues. Mm-hmm. The problem is finding people to use them. Yeah. So no longer do we get blindsided and attracted to the sexiest venues out there, because mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's tons of beautiful venues that people would be like, oh my God, this would be the best office, but it's in the wrong location. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have to be really strategic about the hubs, which is why we opened in like Bondi and Manly and like we're going to open in Parramatta and DY yeah. because there's a hub of people who will gravitate towards yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the toughest part, like even just getting off the ground. And even now the tough part is cause, because we're in the business of co-working and people, when you think about the model, like the people we bring on as community managers are crucial. Mm. Like. I'm talking about we're going to have hundreds of these in the next couple of years right that means I need a hundred community managers it's community managers. <laughs> a lot of work which yeah. is why the tech comes into play because we need them to communicate with one another I have city managers and stuff yeah. whereas when you have amazing co-working spaces like Tankstream and like Fishy and stuff like that um you know, you've got like Jen um, and all those people and you've got these core community managers, but then you can manage that really well because it's like a team of like five right. or six. Yeah, yeah. Whereas imagine trying to
0: manage like 100 of these people, it's gonna be like, it's a nightmare. <laughs> um, very good, I might just move on to uh, our quick fire round, just five yep. questions that we ask everyone. So firstly, what's your most hated startup cliche or piece of advice that you've been given or heard?
1: Uh, I think the fact that you have to scale, 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 Like, sure, there's some products out there that can do it, but people have drilled it into their brains that no matter what they do, they have to scale like crazy. I think it's more important to, yes, grow, but maintain some authenticity to the brand. Mm -hmm. Like, we've only got 10 locations now after eight months, but we had the opportunity to have 50. But I know for a fact if we opened 50, probably 20 of them would have closed down, um, and we wouldn't have been able to manage the brand or the experience. So we decided to go on the route of grow fast but manage it great experience and then leverage that brand to really rocket ship grow once we have the logistics and the operations and everything
0: set up. okay yeah so grow slowly scale 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 yeah there's nothing
1: wrong with being like the lion of the king of the jungle yeah yeah. then the giraffe who's like up there
0: (laughs) and you can eventually keep going yeah Yeah, got it um and if you could have changed one thing um about what you've done to date with two space what would it be Oh, this is a funny one.
1: Like this is like I'll do this one on a more funny side because it's like there's a bunch of serious stuff. Obviously, I would have changed like um, the logo.
0: <laughs>
1: no, I'll tell you why. I like the logo, but like Most everyone listening, keep- the logo is a upside down triangle. Yeah, and like and it's written and so it's like two words because it's has got split. Saying, yeah, yeah. So everyone types this as two words even though it's a one word thing. <laughs> so it's really annoying because like all the SEO and stuff, even the articles, if you type two spaces one word, it's like, boom, awesome. But it's two words, it's like, eh. Because I'll tell you another funny thing. Because it's like this, people type as two words. We were at the top, we were smashing with our SEO with all the press and stuff. Then NASA, it was like four or five months ago, put out an article saying they put two space astronauts on Mars or something <laughs> like that in the title, and then because the title was like two, you know, space astronauts, they okay. just shut us down. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, great. Um, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Cool. So you would have changed uh, your SEO approach, maybe.
1: Yeah, or at least done the logo, so yeah. it was like one, one, one word. One word
0: so. <laughs> um, the best piece of practical advice that you've been given today.
1: I think so. From a my very early startups it was like one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was like always look for like cross-pollination. Like there's no point in even if you have a gangbusters idea or a great thing trying to go it on your own. Um, so it could be everything, anything as small as someone who, who's a friend who's also working on their startup trying to cross-pollinate in a way where you can both leverage each other's databases or communities mm-hmm. to something on the other end where you know it was a well-thought-out, Uh, partnership between Brad and I where suddenly tank streamers who are interested in this kind of concept um, know about 2Space and then talk about it but then vice versa we add value by letting them do meetings and things like that from our venues and that has really attributed to our growth like um, if we tried to do it alone you know it would be a lot harder Mm -hmm. so yeah I mean even today when I get asked you know how do you do all these partnerships and stuff it's just like just go in with an open mind even when you meet people and like Everyone's like a serial networker these days, Mm -hmm. but you can kind of tell who's like, like making it rain with business cards and doesn't really give a shit, or who's like just there to like you know make a connection with someone or chill out. Like some of the best partnerships I've had to date are partnerships that have come into fruition maybe six months or three months down Mm -hmm. the track of meeting that person, not trying to hustle them for something the morning after I've met them. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. so yeah,
0: I think you know collaboration. Collaboration. Yeah. And the three sources of information that helped you get started, it could yeah. be books, could be vlogs? So the first one
1: was I just asked friends and family who own restaurants yeah. um, and who worked in hospitality for their advice, which actually was pretty pretty bad in the sense that and it's made me learn. They told you not to do it? Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's made me learn that don't let expertise necessarily get in the way of your ideas sometimes. So. It's always good to bring on mentors or someone who's had decades of experience with that industry, but just keep an open mind in that if you're gonna disrupt it, and I, sometimes I hate the word disrupt, but if you're gonna try and do something different in that industry, you know, um, take on on board what they say, but just be aware that if you're trying something freaky or new, they probably won't get it. and um, Because a lot of them, when I asked, they were like, no one's gonna do it because of the security issues and stuff, so yeah. don't waste your time. Yeah. Um, second wor- second source of information was just like you know just googling like setting my ad like um, search words for like co-working just mm-hmm. reading everything doing a bunch of homework like you know trying to understand what were the top co-working spaces in Sydney before mm-hmm. like trying to launch too much what were the niches you know at, like what kind of industries they were tailored towards mm-hmm. um, and then you know another thing really funnily enough was we launched in October October tenth,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it was kind of close to Christmas at the time, and one thing I really took advantage of was the Christmas parties. <laughs> it was really lucky, yeah, like I never yeah. thought about it. To be honest, like you and you, everyone was throwing Christmas parties, so I was really sneaky and hustled my way into like all these like different Christmas parties, like Tank Stream, Freelancer, mm-hmm. Sarkon, like all these kind of things, and it was great because it was an excuse to get all these people in a room that normally would be impossible to get time for, yeah. who were just celebrating, and then you just you know, chat with him, have a drink. And then, you know, like, like I met Brad at StartCon and he was wearing like this onesie, like this <laughs> lion onesie or something. And then him and I just had a chat and then they like we had a drink and they're like, yeah, let's catch up in a couple of weeks time. And then we did that and so like kept chatting. Um, so yeah, I took advantage of, um, I guess it doesn't really that doesn't really count, like events mm-hmm. and stuff like that when we started. So it was yeah. asking like experts um, just Searching the crap out of
0: it mm-hmm. online yeah. and then heating up like meetups and events. Yeah, kind of, cool. Yeah. And, and finally, your most unexpected source of inspiration. Oh, that's a good one.
1: Um, from my members, to be honest. Okay. Like, not even kidding. Because when we first started, we were off the high of, yes, we got it off the ground, you know, high fives, everyone, kind of thing. We, we started it. And then, um, you know, of course, it, it, it was really difficult. There was a moment when. We had two found like two founders Robin and myself and we had two locations because kings cross like this is easy but that's because we both physically as two people could man and be the community managers for two locations so we opened our third and fourth and fifth that's what that was the true test to yeah. see if this model would work because okay. we'd have to like manage these other people everything to opening and stuff mm-hmm. like that but then as our community has grown and members have been signing on i see a lot of people come in who've quit their jobs like um, lawyers who have quit their jobs and are starting their own legal startup, licensees who have quit their, their life in hospitality and bar to start a clothing line startup, and all their stories are crazy. Like they're hustling for money, um, you know, they have issues with logistics or their warehouse burnt down. Yeah. And like it puts everything into perspective because sometimes you just get caught up in your own world and you're like, fuck, this is so hard and stuff like that. But then literally coming back to the like minded community. When you're surrounded by other people who are hustling just as hard as you and they're working their ass off, um, you know it just makes it you realize that sometimes you know, it, it's meant to be hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're in a room full of passionate people, then that's the key sometimes to success because surround yourself with eagles and you'll soar mm-hmm. because a lot of people with the right mi- mentality and the right mindset probably would have given up on the idea you're trying to work on a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It takes a certain amount of arrogance and passion sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so just seeing some of our members kind
0: of like smash through it. Well, Doji from Two Space, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you.